So the insurance policy is the mechanism that allows you to pull money out of the corp. The corp is the shield. So it's a shield and a sword. If you don't have one or the other, you're going to get slaughtered. You need both. And they work in tandem. We're here to empower high income earners to gain back control of your time through financial independence and stop trading your time for money and start letting your money work harder for you. And hey, if you want to meet other high income earners on their FIRE journey, join our High Income Earners FIRE Facebook group. Every month we'll have guest speakers and we'll share about what our team is currently working on and allow you to share what you are working on with other high income earners. High Income Earners FIRE podcast is brought to you today by Bonavest Capital, where we partner with investors to build up passive income through real estate syndications and start living a lifestyle by design. As well as Say Yes Stock Option Investing, where we show high income earners how to generate consistent cash flow with your phone and accelerate your journey to financial freedom. Welcome everyone back to High Income Earners Fire Podcast. I'm Cody Ye. I'm with my co-host Eileen Prague today. And we have our really interesting guest, Darren. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, but Darren's a really smart guy. I met a few weeks ago at a I will call it a charity fundraising event. Darren was walking around and casually telling people like they don't have to pay any tax legally. And they help a few of my friends achieve. And those friends are, you know, I would say they're not worth uh, seven, eight, maybe approaching nine figures. So it's just very interesting to hear that. And without further ado, I just want to welcome Darren to our show. Welcome, Darren. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, the opportunity. It's great to be here. So, Darren, I know I don't do you justice for an intro. So, do you want to tell us more about what you do? <laughs> sure. It's very, very simple. We set up tax free zones for high net entrepreneurial families. And tax free zones are very simple. They're a financial mechanism that you set up to reduce taxes precipitously. So, as you know, mostly wealthy folks don't pay as much tax as other folks because they surround themselves with financial engineers, of which I'm one of those. And there's various mechanisms that you can use to reduce your tax bill and therefore increase your net worth quite quickly. So the tax-free zone is exactly that, a mechanism to reduce income tax. Mm-hmm. I love it. Sounds really easy, but not a lot of people are doing it. What would you think is a percentage of people that know this system? Difficult to say. It has been the domain of the high and ultra high net worth only for many, many, many years. The solution has been around for about 150 years globally. It was started by the DuPonts, Rockefellers, Rothschilds, Carnegie's, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They set this up generations ago in order for them to do protect basically they, all wealthy families have a problem of dilution. And what I mean by that is we are the solution to dilution. Dilution is, let's say, for example, you're with $100 million, right? And you have a family. I make $100 million and I have four children. And I love my children equally. Therefore, I'm going to die and we have to give them each $25 million. So now I've split the estate into four. I've diluted my estate, right, into four different pieces. As you know, $25 million is not nearly as good as $100 million. So how do we solve for that dilution problem? So the solution to dilution is every life that you have, how about we turn it from a dilution into a magnifier or a multiplier? So the solution we have is both intergenerational and immediate, where you can 10x your net worth from $100 million to a $1 billion using life insurance as an accelerator. And the way we use it is twofold. One, we use it to accelerate well intergenerationally 
And two, we use it to accelerate wealth instantaneously. And the two reasons we do that is, A, we want more money, and B, we want to steward our wealth for the next generation. Because ultimately, why are we here and what are we doing this for? Yes, I like to live well, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for my children, et cetera, et cetera. And I want to pay it forward into the generations, not only the next one, but the following and the following and the following. Just like the wealthiest families in the world, every single one of the billionaire families or wealthier all have the solution. Every single one. If you name me a billionaire family, they own this, right? So it's well-known. It's tried, true, and tested. It's globally applicable. We do it in Canada, but it is globally applicable. So it's kind of interesting. So that's the tax-free zone, and I can go into the minutiae if you want, or you can ask some additional questions around that. Is it a similar concept as like the infinite banking concept? It is. It's very similar to infinite banking. So what the system does is it decouples you from the tax system, and it decouples you from the banking system. You become the bank of yourself. And the reason that's very powerful is your greatest asset is your ability to earn income, right? Year in, year out, you're earning income. That's your greatest asset. So how do you monetize your greatest asset? How do you put your heartbeat on payroll, right? Well, you would use your life as collateral for a life insurance policy, which is then loaned against. The loan comes into your personal net worth situation, and it's not taxed because loans are not taxable in any country in the world. You have to pay back the loan, right? But unlike a shareholder's loan or any other loan, this loan is evergreen. And evergreen means that when you die the death benefit of the policy pays back the loan. So you can compound all that tax-free growth. I'm 46 years old. Let's say I die at 86, 40 years. So for 40 years, I don't need to pay income tax legally because I can compound the gains using the loan mechanism. I die at 86, the loan is paid off. The delta, or the difference between the loan and the outstanding benefit gets paid into my estate tax-free. So now I've got a huge amount of money that I can play with while I'm alive. And when I die, I've got another influx of tax-free money, right? So do you see how the multiplier effect starts going pretty quickly? And it gets really, really very beautiful. If you start young and you've got lots of money, this thing becomes massive, like to the tune of 100, 2, 3, 400 million dollars. So it's quite cool. It's quite powerful. So there we go. So, so yeah, it's like infinite banking, but on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> so I have some infinite banking. Some of our listeners might understand what infinite banking is again it took me a while to get a grasp of it i'm not the smartest guy but i'm an engineer as well so i'm probably not the dumbest guy now how do you put infinite banking on steroids like, what do you mean by that okay so let's use an easy example so let's use canada i know there's global audience but in canada very recently the tax rate is aggressive your top tax rate in this country is 54 percent five four fifty four yeah, the marginal tax rate that's a yeah. lot. That's your marginal tax rate. The corporate tax rate is 12.5. So the difference between 54 and 12.5 is quite a lot, right? So the corporation earns money. Let's use an easy math. Let's say they earn $100,000 over and above what you need to live on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you have $100,000 in your corporation. That's called corporate retained earnings. Mm -hmm. That is trapped in the corporation because if you pull that $100,000 out of your corp, you pay a dividend or income tax on it. Yeah. Best case scenario, you pay $36,000 in tax. That's just your dividend tax rate is 36. So yeah. you pay 12 off plus 36, that are you back to 54. So having a corporation is useless. It doesn't do anything for you. It has no tax shelter whatsoever, right? So the only thing a corporation does is it reduces risk, which is great to so have a corporation. But financially, it doesn't do anything for you. 
because you get marginalized at your highest margin tax rate, which is 54%. So I love Canada and all, but I don't want to pay 54% tax. I just, I find it morally reprehensible. Right? So I'm not going to do that. So how do we get money out of a corporation and pay zero tax on that money as you pull it out? Very simply. You take $100,000, you send it to Sun Life. Sun Life gives you a policy, a life insurance policy, 10 to 15 times the value of the premium. So 100 goes in, $1.5 million of debt benefit comes out. So 100 went in, you now have a policy, which is a piece of paper, right, which is a life insurance policy. That's transaction number one. All right. So you then take that piece of paper, and you go to a financing company. You pledge the piece of paper as collateral for a loan. That loan, coincidentally, is $100,000. The loan is paid to you personally by the financing company. So your $100,000 went to Sun Life, you got the piece of paper, you use the piece of paper as collateral, you get $100,000 back into your personal account, and you pay zero point zero income tax on that hundred thousand so you just saved yourself thirty six thousand dollars per hundred right you have to pay interest on the loan easy math let's say it's five percent so you pay five thousand dollars right of interest or you can pay thirty six thousand dollars in tax which would you prefer of course a zero percent thirty six thousand bye-bye or five thousand bye-bye so you net 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 up $31,000 per hundred. So if you do a million dollars of premium, you just saved yourself $310,000 of tax per year for every single year you put money in. That is an extraordinarily large amount of money. If I just gave you 310 grand, what could you do? Well, God, buy property, buy units of, of a mech, buy a REIT, do something productive with it, right? Which then increases your net worth, right? You see, so the drain, the drain, I think of a bathtub, the drain, which is tax, which is constantly draining out of your personal net worth, is closed. The plug, put it in there, you're done. Right? So that's really interesting. That's what we call the tax-free zone. It's very simple. Sounds yeah. like it. Now, I think the basic requirement is that you have an active corporation or a holding corporation where you will take whatever amount to buy a whole life insurance from sun life does it have to be sun life or has it i'm just using sun life as an example because it's just whatever we it doesn't matter you can use whatever not any insurance company the top three in canada are sun life equitable and canada life so sun canada Equitable. those are the top three the rest mm -hmm. of them so so whatever but those are the three we use because we believe they are the best for this solution is it because the way they structure their illustration and the way they structure their death benefit and the cash value? Is that why you prefer them? It's why because they, they well-run businesses, they well-run companies, they diversify. The PAR fund where the money goes into is well-managed, diversified, and has a good return mm -hmm. and has a track record of 100 years, sometimes 150 years yeah. of stable returns. So you definitely do not want to mess around with carriers. You want the best three carriers, and those are the three that we use consistently and have used for decades yeah it's for people that doesn't know again darren can confirm with me if i'm wrong with this but i start having whole life insurance when i was 23 years old i'm 32 i just turned 32 i have contract of all these big five company in canada but i was told equitable is not public yet so they have a potential of going public and when sunlight went public i forget how long ago but they reward their customers or clients really well with all the stocks and all that right so there's potential for that and then sun life and canada life has just been running business for very long and that's why you guys probably like it right 
Correct. So you are correct. So that Equitable is still a mutual company. They will mm -hmm. demutualize at some stage because someone will buy them, probably Canada yeah. or in the event of a purchase, the person that holds any whole life policies at Equitable will be given a chunk of equity, mm -hmm. right to chunk of equity in the acquiring company stock. So for example, if Sun Life buys Equitable, you will get a chunk of stock at Sun Life, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. It's free. Mm -hmm. So we like Equitable very much and um, we, we just know them well and we do a lot of business with them and we like them. So, you know, for massive policies, you know, you're not going to go to Equitable because the power fund is too small. For big policies, like 1.5 million of premium per year or 2 million of premium, those are big. Those you have to go to Sun or Canada because they have a bigger par fund. And I'm not going to go into the heavy mathematics of why. Mm -hmm. You just trust the expert to guide you into the right carrier, right? Mm -hmm. What are some of the qualifications to be able to apply for something like this or to utilize this insurance policy? And what are some of the disqualifications? If you can fog a mirror, you can apply. You just have to be alive. That's it. So I'm kind of being a bit glib. So yes, the qualifications are you have to be alive and you have to pass the medical. So your blood, urine, the usual insurance medical. If you're not medically insurable, the solution doesn't work because you can't get whole life insurance policy. So yeah, you have to be medically insured. That's it. That is the only stipulation. And obviously you have to be high or ultra high net worth. If you're making 50 grand a year, this doesn't work because no financing company is going to give you any financing. What net worth or what annual income does it start making sense? So anything north of $250,000 of annual income is the minimum. Like don't even in bother. business or personally? It doesn't matter. If you're making like 250 grand in your corp, well, obviously personally, we're not going to do it because if you don't have a corporation, don't call. You have to have a corp, right? You have to be alive. You've got to be medically insurable and you need to be making more than 250 grand a year in your corp, right? And anything above that is great. So minimum net worth, $5 million. Mm -hmm. which basically is like you own a house in Toronto. You're done. Does it have to be a corporation or does it like, what about like LLC or something like that? It can be a opco, a whole co or a family trust. Those are the three entities, right? Okay. Because you need the tax shield from the corporation, right? Because you're arbitraging two numbers. Your personal tax rate is 54%. Your corporate tax rate is 12.5. Money goes into the corporation, it's taxed at 12.5. You pull it out, you don't pay the delta. You need the corp for that piece of shelter, right? So the insurance policy is the mechanism that allows you to pull money out of the corp. The corp is the shield, right? So it's a shield and a sword. If you don't have one or the other, like you're going to get slaughtered, right? You need both and they work in tandem, right? So it's, it's a three-part situation, Sun Life, financing company, and corporation. There's three components that work together, but it is remarkably simple. It's as simple as a mortgage, right? So everyone, if, everyone understands mortgages, but the first mortgage, I think, was written in like the mid-1700s, so 1750-ish, whatever, in the States. So imagine you're sitting in a coffee shop in like 1750, and you're talking to your buddy. You say to your buddy, yeah, I really want to buy this the house, this farm or this house, but I don't have enough money. And you're like, oh, I really want the farm, I want the house, whatever the case may be. And the guy next to you, sitting at a table, leans over and says, oh, by the way, I will lend you the money. I don't know who you are, but I'll lend you the money to buy that farm, right? And you pay me back later. You would look at that person and be like, never talk to me again because this is completely nonsense and it's theft and there's no way that a stranger will lend you money to buy a house that you live in and you can pay me back later, like a little bit at a time. That makes no sense. That's a mortgage. Today, pretty much every single human being on the planet understands what a mortgage is, right? It's not complicated. Everyone gets it. What we're doing is essentially the same thing. We're just using life insurance 
as the collateral for that loan. So enter the tax-free zone. So don't overcomplicate it. It's very, very simple, like remarkably simple. I have a little bit of understanding, I think. So coming back to the simple step one, you know, kind of qualification, you have to be alive, pass all the health exam, make more than $250,000 in your business or personally, but you have a corporation where there's an operating corp, a whole corp or family trust, better to have a net worth of $5 million. Now, how does the step one and step two work where you use your company to buy a whole life insurance and use that insurance, bring it to the bank to get a collateral loan? And when that loan comes out, what's the tax implication on that? Does it come to you personally or is it loans go to the corporation? So the loan comes to you personally. And like I said, loans are not taxable. So there is no taxable income. There is no taxable event. So how does our favorite CRA, our Canadian Revenue Agency, look at that and say, okay, can we use, well, technically, well, now we're going to open a can of worm. But I guess it's already outside of the system. So as insurance, is the money already paid? Use that policy to get a collateral. Can you write off the interest no. rate? You cannot write off the premium, but you can write off the interest expense if you use the money corporately for investment purposes. So if you bring the money back to the corp and you buy a house and you rent it out, mm-hmm. that interest is tax deductible to the corporation. If you get the money back personally for gas, groceries, private school, and buying Ferraris, you cannot write interest expense. And is not tax deductible, right? That's a very key point. You know, some who understand will probably know why I asked that question, but that's million dollar question, I think, right there. So when you open up the whole life insurance, what's the minimum policy that you would typically see that would make sense? A hundred thousand of premium per year for ten years. So it's a million dollars going into the policy. One million dollars. That's the minimum size we all do. And what's the reason for that? Right, because I don't want to bother with anything lower than hundred thousand. Because mm-hmm. anything lower than thousand, you just run into issues. Like I don't want to deal with people that don't have the wherewithal to write a hundred thousand dollar check per year for ten years. Is it more of the business decision, or is it more of actual mechanics? It's a, bu- it's a business decision. It's my decision to deal with only people that can write a hundred thousand dollar check mm-hmm. or above. Mm-hmm. If it's above your business decision. Can people have a smaller policy? I'm sure there's someone out there doing similar things. And what is that point that makes sense for individuals to start doing this? What if someone doesn't have 100K, can't pay 100K per year? Like, is there a limitation? I know you guys might not want to do it, but. No, no, you can, you can do it a thousand dollars every year out whole life. I think maybe that's too small. Maybe five grand is the minimum. Yes. You mm-hmm. can do little, little mini whole lives if you want. That's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. It just doesn't qualify for finance because no bank is going to lend anything lower than $100,000 of premium per year. You won't get financing for it. So you can pay for it, but you won't get it back. So you open up the policy for $100,000 premium per year, and then you take the loan, you take that, use that as a collateral, and then take $100,000 of loans from the bank. And then that gets transferred directly into your corporation where you're able to write off the taxes if interest. you're using it the interest yes so you can do one of two things you can either use it corporately to build wealth in your corporation which is our whole discussion into its own of itself or you can take it out personally 
and use it for like gas groceries and private school, right? So that you don't pay, like, for example, if, if you have a kid at a private school and the private school costs $30,000 a year, right, which is cheap private school, and you take out $30,000 of your corp, you actually have to take out 50000 because you're paying 20000 in tax, right? So now your private school costs 50 grand, not 30. So using the loan, you don't need to take out 30 grand and pay private school because you're not getting that additional 36% tax, right? Mm-hmm. See how that works? So it makes things more affordable so you can spend more money on things that you want as opposed to just constantly hemorrhaging money to the CLA. So this benefits the owner of the policy while they are breathing and alive as well because you're minimizing, you're in the tax-free zone. So yes. what happens upon death and when it gets transferred to your beneficiaries? How does the tax work in that sense? Very simply. So the corporation owns the policy because they've paid the premium, right? So when you die, death benefit minus the loan, whatever's left over after the loan, gets paid into the corporation. That creates a thing called a capital dividend account surplus, the CDA surplus. The CDA surplus is then paid out through the corporation to your named beneficiaries, which are generally in a will or written on a piece of paper or whatever, or however you designate your beneficiaries to get paid out. But be very, very clear that the corporation is the beneficiary of the policy, all right? But the CDA creates that surplus. That surplus is 100% tax-free, and that's how it flows through the corp and into your beneficiary's hands with no tax. So the corporation is the beneficiary. You wouldn't name your will or your trust as the beneficiary in this sense. No, it's a two-step process. Corp is the beneficiary, then your will or your trust then dictates where the funds go. Got it. Okay. Hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> Pretty cool. Okay. Now it kind of blows my mind where if someone is paying themselves 100K in a corp, what is stopping them? So they have a corp, they have retained earning more than 100K, they pay themselves 100K because they want to qualify, continue to qualify for a mortgage for A lenders and all that. Yep. Now, what is stopping them from paying this 100k to a policy instead and use that policy and loan against it and then bring out the money nothing is stopping them whatsoever it's different so when you start going down the tax-free zone you no longer will qualify for a lenders right you just won't but that's okay because b lenders and i've done hundreds of trades with b lenders are just as good as a lenders and they use your corporation to qualify so you'd use your financial audited financial statements or whatever the case may be you show them that and a sophisticated lender will lend against that all day long so yes you can't go into rbc and say hey can i have a mortgage they'll be like no but you can go to wealth one community trust simply and a myriad of other private lenders that will give you pretty much the same rate as an a lender but they're more sophisticated so they'll lend to you all day long and i know that from personal experience because we bought all of our property that we own all through private lenders. No A's. We don't have a single A in our portfolio. Mm-hmm. Typically, do people tend to open up multiple policies or is it just one policy and then the will and trust will dictate how it gets distributed to their beneficiaries? So every single person, I've done this for 24 years globally, every single person does exactly the same thing. They start off and they come in and say, okay, we're going to do most of our policies are 500000 of premium. That's our general size. We don't really do many hundreds. So most people come and say, we'll do $500,000 of premium for 10 years. So $5 million going in. And they're going to get their feet wet 
And in, in two to three years' time, they come back and they say, ah, oh, I should have done more. And I'm like, yeah, I told you, should have done a million. They were like, yeah. But what happens is that you build a relationship. They get comfortable. They see the money get back in their account. They use it, it comes back. They use it again, it comes back. And they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Two to three years later, they come back and say, okay, load the boat. Let's do a million. Let's do two million, et cetera, et cetera. So you can have as many policies as you want. Generally speaking, in my 25 years of experience, most people have two, some have three. So most people have a small policy, like a $500,000 of premium to start with, like a starter policy. And then in two to three years, they come in with a big boy and they load the boat, right? Like two, three million bucks per year. That's a big part, right? But they like me, they believe me, and they trust me. It takes about two years for them to sort of get their head around everything, and then they go bananas. <laughs> it's so, like a proof of concept first. Let's yeah. test the waters and then yeah. see how it works, and then we'll... Yep. Put the toe in, <laughs> check it out. The water's fine. And then they come in with the big ones. Yeah. That's exactly what happens every single time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there any element, any risk that you see for people who pursue the tax-free zone there's always risk it's a financial transaction there's risk everywhere right but it's extremely mitigated so the macro risk there's macro risk everywhere so like sunlight could fail that would be annoying like there's a long story about why it won't fail etc but they could fail as an institution if sunlight does fail you need bullets and beans and a stockade because the financial system is in real trouble if, if large companies like that go under. So there's macro, it's called counterparty credit risk. There's macro counterparty credit risk. So sunlight failing, bad for everyone. Could happen, probably not. There is interest rate risk. Right? As you can see right now, interest rates have gone up. So the loan rate right now, prime is 5.95. The dividend scale, it's sun and uh, others are like around six. So you're kind of hovering right around the same number. For the last 10 years, prime has been at one. Right, so you've been earning six, paying one. There's a nice healthy buff. Right now, it's kind of a parity, but it's short term. So over time, if the interest rates keep going up, the dividend scale will keep going up. So you've got a bit of short term interest rate risk and interest rate sensitivity for sure. We have mitigating strategies. Why to show you how we can mitigate the interest rate risk? But there's that's the second risk. There's two risks there. And uh, thirdly, there's CRA risk. The CRA could outlaw this and say no, stop tomorrow which is fine because then we won't be able to do more policies, but they can't go backwards and unwind, right? Because it would be impossible for them to go and say, no, this is a fraudulent conveyance and say bye-bye. So there is a little bit of that risk, but there's no political will to change it. All the politicians own this. The CRA loves life insurance because they get a lot of money from it. So there's a little bit of risk there. The one major risk, and this is the only risk, and this is a human risk. So the institutional risk, the macro risk, the CRA Interest rates, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of institutionalized macro risk, very, very mitigated, very mitigated. And the overall number that if you quantify it, do you know what VAR is, value at risk, or vol, volatility, or VAR, right? Anyway, you know what standard deviation is? The standard yeah. deviation of So this entire thing over 30 years, the standard deviation is 0.76%. So you have a 0.76% chance of this not working. It's extremely safe, right? So that's good. So all the math is good and we can prove that a million times over. The one risk that is, is significant is the loan proceeds, the use thereof. So if you get, in this example, 100000 so you send 100 to Sun, you get 100 back. If you take that $100,000 and go to Vegas and put it on black and it comes up red, you've lost the principal. So now you owe 100 grand, you're out of 100 grand, that is risky, right? So we always recommend 
you do a back-to-back. -back. And a back-to-back -back is you do the tax-free zone, 100 goes out, 100 comes in. You take the 100, you buy property or real estate. Whether you're doing a burr, whether you're doing flips, flips are a little dangerous at the moment, but flips generally okay. Or you buy REITs or MIX, you know what a MIC is? Mortgage Investment Corporation, a REIT, real estate investment trust, units of those. Real estate is long-term. This tax-free zone, long-term. If you put them together, you back-to-back -back them, it's very safe. It's like a house with two foundations. Okay. So the loan proceeds need to be invested very carefully. Right? And you've got a lot of guys in your Rolodex who are extremely good at that. You've got Dylan Suter, Sandy McKay, David Belanger, like a bunch of guys that are super good at real estate investing. Those are the guys you give the loan proceeds to to reinvest for you. So now you've got your tax-free zone pumping. You've got your back-to-back, -back, which is your real estate. You put those together. And that reduces your macro risk, which is the loan proceed. So there's, in a nutshell, that's the most important thing to do, is to be very fastidious and astute with the money coming back to you as a loan. Make sure you don't waste that or give it to your buddy to like start a juice shop and you know it's going to go under anyway. Don't do that. Buy a Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you can't buy a Ferrari. That's okay. Buying a Ferrari is good because you're going to take it personally, right? So if a Ferrari is $200,000, you can buy with a loan for 200 grand. But if you need to buy the same Ferrari and you take money out of corp, you have to take $300,000 because you have to pay 100000 in tax. So many, many of my friends and clients buy supercars with the loan. Tons of them. Tons of it, right? Because you're using it personally. So that's okay. Blow it on a Ferrari. But don't, because it's an asset. You can sell a Ferrari back. You probably make even more money than you have before, right? Don't blow it on red if you go to a casino or give it to like random dude to open a juice bar. Like it's just going to go bad. Right? So that's the kind of thing. Right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Do people typically front load? So if they buy a $5 million policy, do they put in $500,000 per year or do they front load $5 million up front? Uh, front load. You go through a thing called the MTAR line. So the fastest we can get this done is you can do three premiums in 13 months. And that's called backdating. Backdating is where I make you. 11 months younger. So essentially, you put in $500,000 today. In 30 days, congratulations, Eileen, you have another birthday. You put in your second premium. And then in 12 months, you put your third premium. So I've put three premiums or three years of premium in 13 months. Right? That is extremely important because it reduces convexity. It reduces duration. It reduces interest rate risk. Right? So 99.9% .9 of our clients do backdate and they do 11 months. Right? Because it shortens everything and that reduces interest rate exposure big time. So yeah, you can put in 1.5 million in this example within 13 months, which is meaningful. You can do a lot of cool stuff with 1.5 million, buy a property, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? So no, you cannot load it all through. It has to be done over. In this example, you can do it in seven calendar years. You can get the whole thing done. The 5 million will go in in seven calendar years. That was a good question, by the way. <laughs> Ellie always asks a good question. We come from a different angle of things. It's actually very complicated, but if you understand it, it's actually very simple because there's not many things involved anymore unless you put it on red, like you said. But I think more of a high net worth people will not put it on a red and they don't make money from the casino. They make money like a casino probably. But, they you know, make money like they own a casino, not gambling. Yeah. In you <laughs> like want to be they the own a casino. Yeah. What would you say, again, you're not going to show names any of that. You already named names. Like those names, it's a good friend of mine. So it's okay naming those names. And those people are around my age, 
if not a bit older than me, just three years. So they already done this full tax-free zone. So that's why I got Darren on. Darren's been vouched for a few of those people. We talk about the risks. We talk about a qualification. What is stopping us from doing it then? Like we talk about risk, we talk about qualification, anything else that common question that you get asked and probably our listeners would know, like what's the top five question you get asked and just blow away here. First thing, it's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And then I talk about mortgage example in 1750 when someone leans over and says, hey, there's a mortgage. And then I go, okay. So it's not too good to be true. You do pay tax, you pay a corporate tax, you pay a state tax. So the CRA is happy. So, you know, the only reason people don't do it is for one reason and one reason only, fear. There's somehow... They can't get over the fear. So the mindset is important, right? So there's abundance-based mindset and scarcity-based mindset. People that have scarcity-based mindsets cannot figure this out for the life of them. They just can't get over it. So those are the people that don't buy it. But, you know, I don't know. I speak to not that many people because I don't do that many deals a year because I don't really want to do small deals. I just want to do big ones. So we have a 99.9% closure rate. Like if I speak to someone, it's like an intelligence test. If you hear this and don't do it, you failed the intelligence test because your rational mind cannot, it cannot process that it doesn't work. It works mathematically. I'll show you in the spreadsheet. Like This gives you more money for your family. But I don't know. Occasionally, someone will be like, no, I don't get it. I'm not. I don't want it. I'm not. It's too good to be true. So we take a gold brick. We show them the gold brick. We're like, this is gold. And it's for you. You can have it. And they go, oh, no, this goal is not for me. I don't want this goal. No, no, no. There's something wrong with this goal. I'm like, okay, well, then fine. So then go off and be a peasant or be ridiculous or whatever. I don't care. So it's extraordinary to watch the journey. And as people get the aha moment, then you're like, oh, my God. They have the aha moment. They pass the intelligence test. And then they ask, how much can I do? And then we're off to the race. Now, when you say you only work with clients that can put minimum of 100K per year, in terms of Sun Life Canada Life, Equitable Life, they only give a policy for people who can technically need it and can afford it. So what is that ratio? What's your business income and all that in order to say, hey, it's not like I make 100K and I want to have 100K per year policy. Like I don't think Sun Life would say yes, right? No, correct. So let me just reiterate. We do do policies for $100,000 of premium. We do that. We don't solicit them, but they come across our desk. And we just do them because it make more friends and then we get more referrals. So I'm not being like trying to be a big boy and say, oh, we need to do 500,000. We do hundreds, we do 250s, we do 150s, whatever the case may be. And that's fine. But generally speaking, you need to be wealthy to do this. Like you need to have issues. The issue is I have a dilution problem. I'm worth $10 million and I have four children. I need to solve dilution problems. The solution to dilution is the tax-free zone. So you have an estate issue, you have a dilution issue, you have a, a terminal tax bill problem, you have a current tax bill problem, right? You want to keep more money, pay less tax. There's a bunch of things that this Rubik's Cube solves for you, right? But yeah, if you're making 100 grand, you can't get a 100 grand policy. That's not going to work. If you're making 250, you can get a 100 grand policy because you're worth $5 million. But there has to be a need. The need is I have three children, I have a business, a house, and a rental unit. Like, of course, you need life insurance. So Sun Life looks at it and goes, okay, there's a clear and present need for life insurance because they don't particularly care that you finance it. Sun doesn't care that you're blending against it or borrowing against it, blah, blah, blah. They couldn't give a shit, right? What they care about is you not dying the day after they sell you the policy. <laughs> That's really bad for them because then they, they get 100 grand in and they pay you 1.5 million. That's a bad day at the office for Sun Life. 
They want you to live until you're like 100 because they're going to take all your money and compound it again and again and again and again. And that's how they make money, right? Hence, clear and present danger. You need to have life insurance. How do you qualify for that? Very simply. Is there a need? They figure it out. Each kid is like a million bucks, right? House, another million. Like, so they just add up numbers. And before you know it, you can get a five, 10, $15 million death benefit really quickly. It doesn't take that much. Because don't forget, they also assume if you're 35 years old and you're worth $5 million, you've got wealth doubles. So 35, 45, 55, 65, 75, 85. You have five wealth doubles. Five goes to 10, 10 goes to 20, 20 goes to 40, 40 goes to 80. So they're assuming you're going to be worth $80 million when you drop down dead. You're worth $5 million today and you've got 40 years to compound. So they know the growth trajectory. So they look into the future and say, well, we think he needs about $15 million of death benefit. So let's give him five today and it'll grow to 15 over 30 or 40 years because it grows, right? Your cash value, your death benefit grow over time. How does it work if you don't own your own business, you don't have a corporation, but you are an employee? Would you have to open up a corporation to structure it this way? Because... You have to have income going into the corp, right? So if you're a salaried employee, you can buy this. It's a solid base hit. It's still life insurance and you're still like a piggy bank and you're making your 6%. It's good. I don't know. I don't follow baseball, but apparently the analogy works. It's a base hit, like the first base or whatever, like nice. But if you have a corporation, it's a 400-meter home run and the bases are loaded, bottom of the ninth. I'm just making this shit up because someone told me this analogy is really <laughs> cool. So there we go. Yes, it, it works if you're salaried, but meh. I haven't done a salaried person in 15 years. It's just not who we look after. Right? We don't look after T1, T4 guys. We just don't. We look after high net worth entrepreneurs that own their own businesses. That's who we look after. We are extraordinarily niche. right? And we want to stay niche. I'm not a solution to everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone can definitely feel it by the way that Darren conveys all the message. And you convey it in a way because it makes sense for your business and, you know, it would attract the people that attracts to your solution for them, right? Totally makes sense. I don't think I have any more question. I had one, but it flew the other side. I went out the other way. I forgot. But Eileen, do you have any more question or should we let Darren go? Oh, we, we, we have, have a, the fire round. Oh, we, we have the fire round. I always forgot. Sorry. Like, I got so excited with all these stuff. So. Darren, we have a fire round. It would be interesting to hear a fire round from you. Basically, five quick questions. We blast through it, and then you just answer off your feet. Okay. Okay. So I will start with the first fire round question. If you become a billionaire tomorrow, what will your day look like? Exactly the same as it looks like today. And what does that look like? Wake up with my beautiful wife, have a cup of tea, ride my bicycle, chill out in the farm, have a hot tub play with the dog, eat vegan meals. Then my wife just chimed in, eat vegan meals, wash <laughs> dishes, and there we go. That's it. That's what I do today. I wouldn't change a thing. So how would you, like, sounds like that doesn't need much of a money to do that. Not really. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> By the way, being vegan is awesome because it's super cheap and you're not killing animals. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and if you had to start all over again, let's say you lost everything, but they handed you $500,000, what would you do first to start over? Immediately buy real estate. As in much Canada? As yes, in Canada. Yep. yep. What type? The only one I know, which is residential. I'm a big resi guy. Yep. Like small res, like lower than four units or bigger res? 
lower than four. Mm-hmm. Any areas you're looking at? <laughs> Sorry, I'll keep drilling. Go to Horseshoe. Okay, for people who doesn't know, is that one and a half hour drive from Toronto? Yes. Cool. Now, Darren, you've probably been on a, you know many podcasts, but if you're a podcast host, who would you want to interview? Could be alive, could be deceased, or whatever. Who would I like to interview? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. And the Dalai Lama. Dalai Lama. Yeah. Do you think he has a tax-free zone? <laughs> I don't think so, but I think he's really humorous and he seems pretty cool. And I'm sure he's got some pretty fun insights. I think it'd be a fun interview. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a very cool answer. We never heard that before. Mm-hmm. And so, Darren, what are some of the other ways that you like to give back? Give back. Uh, Ramoth House is a charity that my near and dear to my wife's heart, and that's a shelter for ladies that are in vulnerable states and they need help. Given an apartment and they get fed and looked after and trained and schooled and etc. etc. So we do a lot of uh, volunteer work there. Yeah, and we give them all sorts of. My wife's an amazing fitness instructor and a baking instructor, so she goes and teaches them how to bake and be fit and all sorts of good stuff there. So we do a lot of charity around that. So that's our major giving back strategy. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite baked dish that she makes? Oof, it's gonna be the <laughs> ding dong cake. What is it? The ding dong cake. You gotta look it up. Look ding it up. dong <laughs> cake. <But> ding dong. <laughs> cake. Ridiculous, but it is phenomenal. The vegan ding dong cake. And it sounds dirty, but it's not. It's really good. Yeah. It's a little, a little caloric, but it's good. Yeah. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Look it up after. So, where can the zero point zero one percent of the population find more about you? <laughs> Go to my website, thirty three Easy. Yep. Uh, 33 is a number and 7 is spelling out as 7.ca. That's it. Or just Google my name, Darren Shrewsbury. You'll see I'm all over the place. Yeah. You'll be able to find me. I'm not hard to find. Sounds good. Well, thanks for coming on, Darren. Any last word of advice you'd like to let us know? Any word, last word of advice? Yeah, with rates just went up to 5.95. Yeah. Great, because the tree is being shaken. And when the tree shakes, the weak fall out and the strong, mm, they climb higher into the tree. So right now, buy property. Go out. If you have dry powder, crush it. Just go and buy as much property as you can. Because right now, mm, deals to be had everywhere. Lovely. Mm-hmm. All right, Darren. Well, right. thank you so much. I appreciate everything that you've shared with us today. My pleasure. A wonderful, wonderful afternoon. All the links mentioned in this episode are included in the show notes. And if you love this episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple iTunes. The link is also included in the show notes. And we would really appreciate your help in spreading the word to more high income earners on how they too can maximize both their time and money. Also, if you still haven't joined our high income earners Facebook group, you are missing out on high income earners community where we help each other reach our own version of fire. 